asked you guys a while ago, what would you do to make your wildest desires come true? How far would you take it? Would you sell your soul for fame, money, power? Is that something that people have done? These are all things that we have questioned in this past season. And it's crazy to me that we're finally on season three, episode seven, which is the last episode of our demonology season. And this has been such a fun journey to go on through my research, through our discussions, through recording these episodes. So without further ado, it's time to discuss and answer the question and what we think. Is possession real? Is it possible to sell your soul? No. I'm not done yet, Pamela. <laughs> <laughs> Did Dom Dialgri really go to hell? Anyways, you guys already know Pamela's episode. So without further ado. <laughs> hey guys, welcome back to the season finale of the Haunted Detective podcast. I'm your favorite host, Kelsey Childs, but everyone calls me the paranormal Sherlock Holmes. Woo! Woo! And I'm your favorite co-host and skeptic, Pamela J. You're not my favorite today. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, for the last time, we are going to be opening the case file on demonology. So Pamela, I'm going to ask you directly. If you could, would you sell your soul? How much money are we talking about? <laughs> Bitch. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It'd have to be a lot. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, of course, I'm just kidding. I wouldn't. My mom would be really mad at me. Yeah, that's the only reason. If I did. I feel like <laughs> my mom would I be pissed. I feel like Garrett, you would tell him, you'd be like, hey, babe, so we're rich now. I sold my soul. I'd be like, hell yeah. <laughs> He'd be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> You'd be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? But where do I sign up? <laughs> That's horrible. Give me the pen. This is so fucked up. Sign here. For those of you who don't know, Pamela and I are not actually dating. Um, she has a boyfriend. So. <laughs> Ta-da! Look. <laughs> All I'm saying is that because I don't believe that you can sell your soul to the devil, um, I think it's funny. But there's people that do believe that. So I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I get it. I get that you believe in that. I just don't think it's like super duper real in my opinion. I think that's fair. The one thing that really makes me wonder is the 27 Club. Yeah. And the fact that Robert Johnson, cue music. I went to the crossroads, down on my was the first member of the 27 Club. And I don't know, like, we just played a short snippet of his song, Crossroad Blues, for you, and it's creepy. It's not like, oh, this is live, laugh, love, funny, goofy, silly. This is like, I have chills. This is scary, wary, ooky, spooky. I will say his music genre is... I guess I don't really know like exactly what his genre was. I don't know if it was like country or what it, what it was classified as Delta blues. Okay. So I will say my taste in music is creepy. 
Oh, like I love dark country, like horror rock, like culture wall. Yeah. Like I love like, and some of those songs that I listen to, they do have those blue vibes and I love that stuff. So his songs, like, yeah, I, I totally understand how they could be like seen as creepy, but I'm like, damn, I love this. Like I was like, this shit smacks. Okay. 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 But there's creepy and then there's unsettling. And his yeah. is unsettling. You know, like, Coulter Wall is like, oh, it's creepy. It's like, yeah, groovy. It's fun. It's, but, you know, Robert Johnson, it's unsettling. It's, it's, it feels real. It feels authentic. It's pure, unadulterated, raw talent that is just so, yeah. un, like, so incredibly unsettling. Yeah, yeah, no, I can definitely see that. There's there is those unsettling undertones. But then to like feed into that, from that to the 27 club, I just I mean there are so many names on that list and a lot of those names just randomly spontaneously rose to fame. And I just I don't know, there's something to it. I think that the 27 Club is, I mean, while it is extremely sad that they all lost their lives in various ways at such a young age. The same age. Before they could really, yeah. Don't downplay that. The same age. No, 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 no. I know. The same age, but before they could really enjoy their fame and their fortune. Um, Yeah. I think it also was people bad in Hollywood. Like, I think there's just a lot of evil things that happen in Hollywood. So I'm not sure if it's like people that they associated with and that's kind of how things like happened. I don't really know all of their individual stories, but I do know that it's not uncommon knowledge that some shady ass shit happens in Hollywood. Well, I'm yeah, I'm not, I'm not discounting that. Obviously, our listeners are going to know that I believe the 27 Club is one thing while you believe it's something much more mundane, right? Yeah. But the thing is, is like you have to like put aside your skepticism, put aside your like, here's the logic, here's the reason I need a certificate of authenticity for these ghosts, right? (laughs) And just like look at it plainly. It's weird. I personally... I don't believe in coincidences. It's the same thing as like, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on you. Fool me three times, shame on me. There's no such thing as coincidence. I think that this is one of those instances where it is so weird that I, like this would take me a long time to dissect. If I, if I really went in and I dissected the 27 Club, like I would, I don't have a blanketed thought, like a blanketed theory for the 27 Club. So I guess I, on this one, I can side with you in the sense that it is really odd that they all uh, passed away in very weird circumstances all at the same age. So I could, I can see that. Like for fuck's sake, (laughs) Anton Yelchin got pinned and killed by his own SUV that rolled down the driveway. Mia Zapata wrote a song foreshadowing her death. Like, yeah, I don't know. I I think to go from the 27 Club to Crossroads Demon, selling your soul into Hellhounds, I have to say one of my favorite things to learn 
this season alongside with you guys was the Hellhounds of World War One and the the no man's land hauntings. I think it's just it's weird how much it falls into line with what we were talking about and how these hellhounds seem to just have taken evil men or just like men that saw a lot of death and destruction and all this stuff. And I don't know. I just like could one argue, oh, the Germans were fucking with the English soldiers? Sure. But could another argue no one man could do this to a group of men, even a group of German soldiers, right? So I just, I think that the ghostly dog haunting no man's land and the different accounts of it and multiple different soldiers from different walks of life and armies and all that stuff in countries who probably had no interaction with one another, seeing similar things like, the wild men who, quote, lived there underground like ghouls among the moldering dead and who came out at night to plunder and to kill. That's fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, that is actually really fucking weird. I think the idea of hellhounds is something that has been around for, I feel like, ever. Yeah. Because there's even mention of hellhounds in, like, Greek mythology. Yeah. There's, like, in... A lot of different religions and cultures, they believe in some type of hellhound or a variation of a hellhound. So, I mean, I'm I'm a skeptic first and foremost, but I do enjoy playing with the idea that because so many people from so many different parts of the world have the same story to tell, that maybe there's some type of truth in it. Yeah, I honestly, that's that's the thing with this season, right? Is why we talked about so many cultures, so many examples of possession, you know, selling your soul. There are, there are a lot of stories from Greek mythology. You know, the man who, whose girlfriend or wife, was his lover was taken by Hades and he had to go down to get her soul and he wasn't allowed to look back or he was stuck there forever. That's another version of selling your soul. And the thing that I know we can agree on is folklore, right? Folklore, yeah. mythos. Like when... All of these stories just span across cultures, societies, generations, even to the point where these cultures didn't even know one another existed or had no outside contact with other countries. How do they all have the same story? How do we have a, you know, a demonic possession in almost every society? How do we have a hellhound in almost every society? Mm -hmm. And this is something we're going to touch upon next season with, you know, paranormal and supernatural cults, specifically human sacrifice. And it just really, I want to know where it comes from, you know? What yeah. is the origin? How do we all have these things? Like, it drives me crazy. I am up at night thinking about it. Oh, yeah. I felt that. See, here's the thing. I think about that as well. That also keeps me up. But what also keeps me up is thinking about how someone, and I know we're, Colts is is next Shazen. Um, but just the thought of someone having so much control, what goes into first off the mind of someone who has that, like the feeling that they can control? What is that godlike mentality? And then second, what are you doing to control these people? What are you using? Like I and how scary is that that some of these people are able to be controlled and they can do 
anything that they're told. Like that part is super creepy. Yeah, but I think it, it's it's all the same theme. That's the thing with our podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Different topics, similar theme. Is we we really you know we're an educational podcast, we're an investigative podcast, but we're looking for the truth as much as you guys are, right? Oh yeah, and you know some of this stuff can't be solved, right? I I personally would love to go to the Hoyabachu forest in Romania and just stay overnight there, or go to this area where in France where the hellhounds and you know, wild men were seen and investigate there. Like, I want to go beyond ghost hunting. Oh, yeah. I want to learn these things. I want to understand these things. I want to interview different, different, you know, elders from different cultures and villages. And, you know, I, I, I want to be Lara Croft. <laughs> no, I mean, seriously, like, I would love to go and talk to locals about the legends of the hellhounds over there and talk about the doctor that was said to have been uh, doing those experiments on those those dogs and possibly soldiers. So I want to know what the locals are talking about. I want to see the land for myself. I want to see the buildings for myself. I want to see the history for myself. The thing is, too, that really gets me with the hellhound and doctor doing experiments, every bit of fiction, whether it's a fantasy novel a true detective novel, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. every bit of fantasy has a touch of reality and truth in it. So Mm -hmm. as someone, you know, I'm a novelist. I just finished my first manuscript. I had to, you know, create this entire new set of creatures and magic system. But you can't create a realistic mythos uh, without pulling from reality. So, you know, Harry Potter pulls from Merlin. Merlin pulls from the Templars and King Arthur and real figures in history. So my thing is they're saying that, you know, this doctor, he, he took the brains out of soldiers, put it into a dog. And suddenly this dog has, what was really happening? I mean, obviously we don't have a dog man hybrid. We don't have like a werewolf science project gone bad running around in no man's land, but that story comes from somewhere. And it makes me wonder if a German scientist and doctor was actually experimenting on soldiers like that. And obviously it didn't work, but we've seen it in America where this body donation center, like body part donation center that was used to like sell body parts, I guess. Like you got, you need a skin graft, here's some skin. This was in Arizona. They made a human Frankenstein. Like people experiment in fucked up ways. So whether or not you believe in these stories and these myths, it always comes from something real. Something to to think about is when these hellhounds were said to have been um, hap- like being seen during this World War I period, you have to remember who was fighting this battle, right? Like these were 18-year-olds with like bayonets and like they were having to face like mustard gas, machine guns. They were dealing with trenches that were full of bodies and rats. And, and I mean, they were not okay, like physically, mentally, emotionally. So that's something that you can also think about is the psychology aspect of like, these guys were pushed to their fucking limit. And like, it's crazy. Have you ever seen those pictures where it's like, soldier before the war, soldier after the war. And it's, you know, the light is just drained out of these men's eyes. And it's it's really, it's not much different today. I mean, when you see veterans come back. Mm -hmm. 
No, absolutely. And there's uh, one picture that comes to mind is of, uh, I think it's a Canadian soldier in like 1916, I believe. And he has this like smile and his eyes are like weirdly lit up and he's like in the trench. Yeah. And we'll post that over um, on the Instagram page on on hauntedetective.podcast. Um, it is, it's a chilling a chilling photo, but I think it really captures um, just a glimpse of what what they were going through um, and just kind of like the hysteric like realm that they were in. Yeah. I, I mean, so the thing is, is that it makes me wonder what they saw. You know, the first ghost story I ever told on TikTok was from a Vietnam War vet who worked at the sleepaway camp I went to. And he had been deployed in France on ground patrol watching for airplanes from the Vietnamese soldiers and basically going from station to station. And he was in this forest and it was a straight row of trees because it was a man-made forest. So he was basically told, follow the path of the moonlight. So he'd follow it through this forest, get from one station to the next. And, you know, at one point he's walking at night because that's when he would travel. And he saw this girl in a white dress. And, you know, he automatically is like, well, this is suspicious. So, you know, he screams. He goes, hey, hey, who are you? And she doesn't move, doesn't do anything. So he starts running towards her, but she always stays the same distance away from him. And eventually, after, you know, you know, (laughs) running and getting nowhere, he fires his gun in the air. And her, like he says, her hands start elongating. Her mouth opens like the painting scream and she comes right up to him and then he blacks out and he wakes up and he's standing in the same spot that he had been the night before. Hadn't laid down, hadn't sat down, just standing there. So, you know, he goes, he writes it down in his journal and he forgets about it. Years later, he's married, he has kids, he's working a job that he loves and he starts having night terrors. Mm -hmm. So, you know, his wife had heard all of his other war stories. It was all processed at the point. She's like, what is happening? So he brings down the journal and he's like, yeah, I don't know what happened in those several hours that I was blacked out. So she's like, well, maybe you should try a therapist that can unlock those memories for you. He's like, okay, okay. So, you know, he goes into the room with his therapist. They start, his whole family's there supporting him because this was a really scary concept for him. Yeah. And the therapist puts him under. He wakes up after being hypnotized and the therapist has like tears streaming down her face and everyone is gone. Yeah. And he's like, where's my family? Where? And he's agitated. He's like, where is everyone? Why'd they leave? And she said, I asked them to go. And he's like, that wasn't your right. What happened? Can you tell me? And she's like, I can't. Some things you forget for a reason and you're not meant to remember and she wouldn't tell him so you know you can take that story and say hey he saw a ghost or a demon and it attacked him and did something terrible Mm -hmm. or you know pamela's side of the fan base you can take that story and say there never was a little girl or a ghost in the forest he encountered something much worse and much more human that his brain filled in the blanks like a little kid yeah and blacked out the rest of it that couldn't be seen as a ghost right and a lot of that is a method of comfort for your brain um so i mean it could have been and a lot of people uh the things that i've read a lot of people relate to this theory is that for instance the soldiers 
the hellhounds could have been a method of comfort for what they were experiencing and seeing in those trenches. It could have been explainable to them because, I mean, I I would go on to to just relay these details that I've read about it, um, but I won't because I don't know if you're eating or drinking right now, uh, but it's pretty gross. Uh, so just take my word for it <laughs> that this easily could have been a method of comfort for them to just rationalize the fucking horrendous nightmares of war that they were experiencing. I'm 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 of the mindset that, you know, this camp counselor that I had, he did actually see something nefarious in the woods whether it was a ghost demon or whatever the fuck. Right. Because, you know, those those woods are notorious for people going missing. I cannot for the life of me remember where he was. Mm-hmm. Maybe someone from France can let me know, but I remember yeah. hearing the story and this girl who was at the sleepaway camp who her and her twin were from France, she was like terrified. And I looked at her, I was like, what's wrong? She's like, well, that that forest is notorious. We just had like a docuseries on it. Like people go missing there all the time. Wow. And so, you know, there's stuff like that. And this whole, you know, psychological brain protecting you doesn't debunk everything. No. But it can it can explain some things. But I don't know. I'm of the mindset that there was actually something evil in no man's land. I don't know. I that's yeah. just me though. I mean, we can both we I believe me, I think we can both agree that there was evil in no man's land, regardless if it was human or not human. But I think it's interesting that this method of like justification, like in your brain or like protection of your brain, we saw this in other instances when talking about possession, when we were talking about people using parts of their religion to justify the treatment of people who had these uh, mental illnesses and like using religion and the, the, and possession as like, well, this is, uh, this is preferable rather than them actually having this mental illness. Like this is, my treatment of them is justified because this is the method I'm choosing. Well, here's the thing too, because that brings us kind of to possessions and the Vatican is, do I believe that someone can get possessed? Sure. Yes. Do I believe that as many people are getting possessed as it is reported and recorded by the Vatican? Absolutely the fuck not. Just like I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh yeah, guys, I believe in the Jersey devil. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's a fun little story, but yeah. I don't think that it actually happens as much. And I think the Warrens being such a big societal and cultural I guess, duo or pair. They were so famous at the time. They made this worse during Satanic Panic. But what I really want to talk about is Emanuela Orlandi and the Vatican. Because we went through that case. We talked about some theories. But I wanted to talk about her disappearance in particular. Because paranormal aside, psychology aside, we can both agree that the Vatican is hiding something, right? Oh, 100%. So the thing is, is my belief is that Emanuela knew something. She knew something, overheard something, or experienced something that she was not supposed to. And so they took care of her. Why else would Pope Francis, or the most progressive Pope yet, or Pope right now, why would he walk up to her brother and her mother 
and basically say to them, Emanuela is in heaven now. How would he know that? There's no body. You know, people think that she ran away. Some people think she was killed by the mob. Like, how would he know that? And what 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 information was he trying to tell them without telling them? You know, it's also really fucked up. It's so fucked up. Like, just to say that, be like, mm, well, she's in heaven now. Like, hello, are you gonna fucking tell me what happened to my child? Like, it's what? very, it's giving thoughts and prayers to the victims and their families. Yeah, fuck that. Like, what do you? What the fuck do you mean she's in heaven now? Why don't you tell me what the fuck happened to my kid? Like that like that angers the shit out of me. It's very Da Vinci code. It's very, very, very Da Vinci code. Cryptic and- for fucking what? Like if it was the if it was his kid, he would be up in arms about everything. Like, why is it because it's somebody else's that you just don't give a fuck? Well, the other thing too is like the Vatican has been sus since its creation. Oh yeah. You know? Uh, freaking was it Michelangelo that had to hide from the Pope? Oh yeah, I'm pretty sure you're right. Yeah, yeah, he wanted to kill Michelangelo and he had to hide from the Pope. Yes, because the Pope sentenced him to death. Just, just for shits and giggles, he didn't do anything. For fuck's sake. There's a whole room. There's an article in the Smithsonian Magazine, and it's this whole room that they believe is where he hid out to avoid being killed. And he has paintings on the walls, and it's. It's uh, uh, really messed up. So my question is, Pamela, what do you think the Vatican is hiding? I think that the Vatican is hiding a fuck ton of shit. I think that (laughs) there's so many different theories that we've spoken about, about possible things that they are hiding. Um, Well, what's worth killing over, you know? I mean, the Vatican, I feel like, isn't involved in things that aren't worth killing over. Yeah, that's true. Like they have dug their hands so deep into the literal shithole of American society and they have just fucking, they've just fucked shit up since the beginning of their creation. And I mean like in the worst fucking ways possible. There's, I mean, there's theories that they have child porn, that there's tunnels, that they're involved in human trafficking. Like these are theories, by the way. I'm not accusing anyone or anything. So Vatican, don't fucking come after me. I didn't do anything. Don't kill me. We're going to go missing. But, <laughs> but in all seriousness, it's really scary how much power some of these individuals have held. And we've seen it throughout history. I mean, they even dug up a, a fucking pope and put him on trial and he couldn't even say anything. He was dead. <laughs> like, are you kidding? Like, they obviously have proven to us time and a time and a time and again that they're not scared of any consequences. So I'm going to say it here first. I bet you guys anything that in 20 to 50 years, we are going to find out because religion is becoming less and less and less prevalent in society nowadays. And one day the Vatican is going to be inconsequential and a lot of things are going to come to light. I don't see it happening in the middle of our lifetime. I see it happening in like 20, 20, 30, 50 years, right? Mm -hmm. But mark my words, we are going to learn that there was sex trafficking and human trafficking going on in the Vatican. And like I said, these are theories. Don't murder us, please. Don't sue me. (laughs) Literally... 
we are just kidding. In Minecraft, in <laughs> Minecraft, hypothetically in Minecraft, the Vatican is involved in human trafficking in Minecraft. Hypothetically, it's just... In Minecraft. It's just a little fucking weird. And you guys have been involved in some fuck shit. And honestly, it wouldn't shock me if you were doing some more fuck shit. So... Hypothetically in Minecraft, of hypothetically, course. Hypothetically, that's all I'm going to say. But yeah. So I think that this has been a very enlightening and interesting season. And obviously, we want to know what you guys think. So go hop over to Haunted.Detective on Instagram, send us a DM, comment on our newest post, and tell us what you think. Because honestly, do you believe in possession? Do you think the Vatican is up to some fuck shit? If we go missing, you know to go to Rome. (laughs) Storm the Vatican in Minecraft. In Minecraft. Someone (laughs) just makes... A replica of Vatican City in Minecraft. And then puts me and you in the center of it in chains. (laughs) Fuck. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Holy D, I'm so sorry. (laughs) I accused you of something you're probably actually totally, completely, definitely doing. I'm sorry that you did it. In Minecraft. In Minecraft and not in real life. Or maybe. Or maybe not. Okay. Final answers clearly stated on the table, all cards. Do I believe in the ability to sell your soul? No. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Do I believe in hellhounds? Yes. No. Everyone knows what our answers are going to be at this point. Do I believe in possession? Yes. Yes. What? I do believe. I know. I drop something on you. I do believe that there's a truth to possession. This candle smells real good. What? I'm going to burn it so I can get back. (laughs) I said this candle smells really good. I'm going to burn it so I can get back to the right dimension because something's... We're in the upside down here, okay? (laughs) That's all I'm saying. Anyways, go on. Make your point. I think that there has been one or two cases in the world of actual possession. However, wait, 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 hold the, hang on, hang on, hang on. No, hold on, hold on, hold on. You believe that there have been one or two cases of real possessions, but you don't believe in selling your soul. You don't believe in ghosts. You don't believe in demons. I don't believe in the possession that you believe in. Okay, fair. I believe that there are psychological aspects Chris, can you just cut it off here? Don't don't let her finish. We're going to have a win for once. <laughs> just make it look like Kelsey won. Just just make her voice really really quiet as she says this. <laughs> just like she's I believe <laughs> I'm just saying that I believe that there is it's one of those things for me that I I want to believe that it's real. It's just like ghosts for me. I really do want to believe that ghosts and the paranormal exist. I want to do it. Then just believe. Because there's no hard evidence and I can't with, b- just blindly believe in something. With the power of friendship, anything's possible. With the power of friendship. But I also think your brain. With the power <laughs> of friendship, anything's possible. I think that possession 
is anyway guys thank you so much for <laughs> listening to our season finale of the haunted detective podcast you heard it here first guys pamela believes in demon possession i don't believe in demon possession i never no i don't believe in demon possession i believe that well then get just get to the point already i'm fucking trying to <laughs> Do you believe in the psychological diagnosis of it? Is that it? I believe in the psychological diagnosis of possession. I'm still science, bitch. And if you guys don't know what the psychological signs of possession, go listen to the other episode and also look into it on your own because it is fascinating. Well, since you since you apparently know everything, Pamela, I don't. Why don't you close out the episode? Because you know every Pamela knows everything. Sorry, I'm gonna stop now. I'm I'm, I'm <laughs> taking this joke way too far. <laughs> Anyways, so I guess that answer is it for you guys. We definitely want your feedback. We want to know what you think. I love learning about this stuff. I love teaching you guys about this stuff. Without further ado, before we close the case file on demon possession. Let's talk a little bit about what we're going to be getting into next season because I know a big part we've been missing since season one about true crime and paranormal is cults. So next season, we're going to be going heavy into paranormal cults and cults that involve some sort of divination, some sort of God, deity, dare I say human sacrifice. Oh, God. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a bloody, gory mess of a season. And I think that the first episode is going to be Pamela's least favorite. Oh? Because for as much as Pamela is a great victim advocate, has worked in the true crime field, I've noticed she li- she does not like blood and gore. Yeah. Once you see it, uh, you don't really want to see it again. At least in my case. So anyways, tune in next week for... I can't believe I'm saying this. Season four, episode one. Whoop, whoop. But we're going to close the case file on demonology for today. Don't forget to leave us a nice review. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Anyways, leave us a nice review. Do it. (laughs) And our episodes come out every Monday at midnight. As soon as the clock strikes 12, throw off those glass slippers. They're going to slow you down and run right to our episode. Run to your computer. Listen to our episode. Leave us a nice review. We are so demanding. (laughs) Love you, ghoul friends. We love you, and we'll see you back bright and late next week. Bye.